Welcome to the Ion Cannon Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Stephen, and I'm joined by my friends and co-hosts, Tom and William. And after, what, like two years? We are finally back with Season 3, Episode 1, or I guess Chapter 17, depending on how you want to count it, <laughs> of The Mandalorian, The Apostate. Yes. Oh, my gosh. I, it, so long. I was realizing... It's so long. It didn't, yeah. it didn't feel that way, though. No, but I, I was. Re- I, I don't know. I don't know. It felt very long to me. Like it. I was just thinking back. The last time the Mandalorian aired was, of course, when when Luke Skywalker appeared, right at the end of mm-hmm. season two. And I distinctly remember watching that episode because I had just moved into my new house, and I didn't have like the surround sound set up yet. I had. I barely had the TV hung up on the wall, and then the Mandalorian came out. I'm like, well, I. I, I want it in the best, watch it in the best experience, but I, I don't want to wait. And so I watched it with like mm-hmm. TV speakers and everything. And I was like, oh my God, I just looked, I vividly remember that. Uh, and it feels like I moved into this house forever ago now. <laughs> and so like, I'm like, wait, really? The week we moved in was the last time. Ah, that's crazy. It's, it just, it, it just underscores, at least for me personally, how long it's been. It's been over two years. We're coming up on mm-hmm. what two and a quarter years. It's, it's been a long time. And the Book of Boba Fett, while we did get two one and a half-ish episodes of two episodes of The Mandalorian, doesn't really count as true Mandalorian season three, you know? I it it doesn't I agree with you, it doesn't count, but for me it made it feel like it wasn't that long between the two seasons. I guess because we had that little bit of Mando within the Book of Boba Fett. So. That's true. I guess it's more like a like a like a little a snack to tide us over you know <laughs> yeah uh but I'm, I'm excited to just to dive into more about how this episode handles the book of boba fett i think as we as we go along and this is also the first season of the mandalorian since the other live action spinoffs have aired like a lot has changed in star wars since uh you know because last time when mandalorian season two come out came out we, we hadn't had andor yet we hadn't had Kenobi. We hadn't hadn't had the Book of Boba Fett. You know, we, of course, we had like the Bad Batch and the Star Wars animation. But this is the f- first time we now have another live action project post all of these other shows. So it'll be really interesting to to, to dive in and discuss with all of you guys. And ah, I'm I'm excited. But first, before we get in, because there's a lot we could we could go into. Um, mm-hmm. One little two interesting tidbits. One that Mandalorian season four, according to uh, John Favreau in an interview with BFM TV has already been written, which is great. He said that, you know, they wanted to know where they were going so they could tell a fully formed story. And so, you know, he and Dave mapped it out and then kind of started to write each episode. And so by the time, um, you know, he, they were doing post-production, he was already writing. Uh, and so it's, it's, it's good, like, they're able to at least... I, I always like it when they have an idea of where they're going. And I thought that was a really nice thing to hear, that at least they've mapped out the next season. So they can kind of have a general sense of the arc. Yeah, it's definitely a good sign. And hopefully we see some of that fruit pay off, I think, in uh, this season and the next. Yeah. 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 That that said, um, 
I was very excited to see that quote. And then like a couple like days later, I was disappointed to see another follow-up quote with Total Film about how uh, uh, John Favreau said that, you know, while this is the, this is the middle chapter of season three of a much larger story, um, but, uh, you know, there's not a finale that they're building toward. Um, and, you know, he's like, basically said, I, he loves that the, sh- the stories just go on and on and they have this, the potential for these characters to be with us for a while. And while I love the characters and I love the story, like I, on the one hand, it's selfishly like I want more Mandalorian. On the other hand, when they don't know where they're going and they don't have a final end point they're building towards, sometimes it makes, it kind of can hurt the shows as well. And so now I'm torn. I'm like, oh, I'm glad they've done the next season, but they have no idea where they're going after mm-hmm. that. So I don't know. What yeah, do you guys no, think? I, I, well, I, think? I think we'll talk about this more in this episode. Um, yeah. But I to like posit my thesis or put my thesis out there, I think The Mandalorian is a poor choice to be the centerpiece of the Star Wars, uh, you know, television universe or whatever you want to call it. And I think this quote is emblematic of that. In a world where the Mandalorian is just, you know, uh, a bounty hunter goes and takes on jobs, you know, mm-hmm. that's I'm simplifying significantly. But if that was the core premise of the show, mm-hmm. awesome. Don't, you know, I don't worry about them having an end place necessarily in mind. But what they're, they've clearly been trying to do, and you see this a lot in season two, is the Mandalorian is this central nexus for where all these other shows like Ahsoka and I don't remember any of those off the top of my head right now, but like will spin out of um that well it was concerning. skeleton crew and and, there was, and book of with that and ahsoka yeah, and, and yeah and also remember there was supposed to be rangers of the new republic right which i don't think we're ever not, getting that, but no we're not going to get that one it's it's kind of hinted at within this episode that it exists right but i do believe we're not getting the episode but you are right steven this is it is kind of the center of a of the large of the star wars tv universe in many ways or at least the john favreau and dave filoni universe Mm -hmm. exactly and i think the mandalorian is very poorly set up to have that type of impact okay Um, right interesting interesting and potentially controversial comment i'm excited to get into (laughs) yeah but but we'll leave that for later in the show because you know (laughs) it'll come up for sure right yeah but but there's the other thing that that does kind of worry me that I would like to know if there's going to be an ending because if they're not going to have any kind of ending or any kind of way to end the show, then basically from this point forward, the show is just going to wander mm-hmm. and you're going to get to the point where it's like, what, what, what is the ultimate goal of the Mandalorian? And I think, again, we are going to get into that into this episode because there is a couple things in this episode that did question what's going on. So, yeah. And, and, you know, I'm, I am, like I said, I think I'm always torn because on the one hand, I would love just, Give it, give it to me. Give me so much. I just want it more and more and more. But as I've gotten older, I've looked at and I've noticed that stories that tend to have a definitive end date seem to be better for it because they can they can really be focused. They can tell just a phenomenal story and uh, kind of show you know how it gets from beginning to end. And sure, you can you can you can have side tangents if you want, but it's always planned, right? Mm-hmm. And so. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. Um, we also got some interesting listener feedback as well uh, from um, one of our, our, our listeners uh, that named Paul that I'm very excited to uh, kind of go into as well. He brings up some really interesting points. So we'll talk more about that as we go in to the episode two. Um, but yeah, I guess let's 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 start. Tom, for those who, who don't well, maybe know, what are we reviewing? 
Okay, so in this episode, we are reviewing The Mandalorian Chapter 17, The Apostate, directed by Rick Bamoyima and written by Jon Favreau. In the episode, The Mandalorian begins an important journey. So as we've already mentioned, it's been over two years since we've had The Mandalorian, and now we're back for season three. Did you guys find it interesting that at the beginning of this episode, we got to see a Mandalorian baptism, but I want your take on this. Did you think this was a flashback or or was it the present day? I want your- Oh, I totally I thought it was a flashback. I, I thought okay. it was a flashback. And my my first comment on the episode was like, wow, that kid, I feel like he's a little too like pale to be Pedro Pascal. Yeah. Like <laughs> this doesn't- But I sometimes mean, casting yeah, isn't know, always great, you know? <laughs> Yeah. Well, uh, well, also look at it this way. It was a kid. We don't know how many, how many years have passed. Okay. He was pale. Maybe he was getting fitted for, he had a helmet on at a certain point. I don't know. We, we didn't know the beginning, but that was a tad bit frustrating for me was I thought it was a flashback. And the other thing about it, Mm -hmm. well, well, I, I thought it was a flashback. Okay. But there was a certain point in which you did get the feeling it wasn't when you saw the other Mandalorian Mandalorians in that clan appear. And I guess for me, because it clicked that it was basically present day within Mandalorian timeframe, you're looking at all these different suits of Mandalorians that you took it as they're trying to rebuild that clan. But I think for me, what, what took me out of it just that little bit, it was, it was kind of too colorful and uh, and there the, really the was helmets and everything that the helmets, yeah. it's like the, oh. the helmets, the armor, you know, I, and I understand there were some flags. If they were talking about the different clans that were going to be within this one Mandalorian, you know, coven, then, then I could, I could understand that because we did see flags up, but there was just that little bit that, that I, I, I got, I got a tad confused. So now it's open to discussion. Stephen, what did you think? I was going to say, actually, my, I really liked all the color and like the kind of peek into their culture and this kind of initiation mm-hmm. ceremony. Honestly, my biggest issue was I thought this scene felt horribly paced to me. Like I, that too. It that the too. fight with the the giant, you know, water lizard or whatever it is, just kind of went on and on mm-hmm. with nothing really happening. Like we just kept getting different shots of like Mandalorians being flung aside or eaten mm-hmm. or you know knocked into the water, and I kept being like. I, I didn't actually go back and I should have timed it, but like, I felt like we spent like 10 minutes just watching mm. Mandalorians be thrown around in the water. It, it did. Well, you also had to have long. a couple of, yeah. Well, yeah. yeah, a couple of them had to be saved because they were under the water and even, you know, well, the armor but, had to sit there. Well, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I, you're right. But I don't know who any of these people are, so I don't really care. Right. Like it was a bunch of people being thrown around and it just, it was, especially once we started to realize like it wasn't a flashback necessarily. I just kept mm. expecting something else to happen, and then it didn't. And it just, the pacing for this episode as a whole, I felt was all kind of all over the place. Mm. And it, uh, again, like, and maybe it's, we're coming in, you know, two years later, I want to get into the Mandalorian, I want to get into the story, and we start out with something that is kind of unrelated and is not relevant, and I don't think will matter ever again. Mm. But we I mean, spent it, so much time on it. Yeah, mm. I, I don't I don't disagree about the, like, it, the scene felt a little too long. I, I'm torn, because I, I, I it is we we've talked so many times in the past on this show. We love seeing the Mandalorians. It's so cool. Mm-hmm. And now we have this giant group of Mandalorians, including like younger kids and 
you know, it's, it's, and we could see more of their culture and how the, this initiation sequence, right. For this young kid, Ragnar. Um, and so all of that was, was really cool. And I, I, I it, it was, it was neat to see, but it did feel a little bit out of place and a little bit mm-hmm. long. And, and I think that's where I was like torn, you know, and I guess I, I'm always, I'm never like just personally, and it's a personal preference, right? I'm never all that interested in fights against giant creatures you know like it's, right. just in general right it's it's always like okay cool like they're fighting it, it's cool to see the mandalorians flying around using their flamethrowers and jetpacks and all awesome stuff but yeah it did feel just a, a tad a tad long um mm-hmm. and once you know it really wasn't until the, the n1 starfighter appears like oh okay it's it's not a flashback it's actually um it, it you know it's it's the present day and mando's just coming back and i think this is where mm-hmm. the i think part of the the challenge of this episode is that it really needs to do serve two purposes first it needs to well i mean maybe three in some ways right it needs to reintroduce people to the mandalorian after two over two years without the show it needs to catch people viewers up on what happened in the book of boba fett because major major things happen in the book of boba fett that they, you know, if you were just watching The Mandalorian, you'll be confused. Uh, like, for example, Mando appears and Grogu's back with him again, and he is in a completely different starfighter. And you're like, wait, what <laughs> What happened? You know, uh, like last time, if you're just watching The Mandalorian, the last thing you saw was Luke walking away with Grogu. And the next, you know, right. you hit play on the next episode, and Grogu's sitting in the backseat of Mando's N1, and... You know, I, so I want to talk about this more before we go deeper. Yeah. Okay. You're right. The show needed to answer this question. I don't feel like it did. No. Like, the closest I think we get is Grief Karga asked the Mandalorian, like, oh, I thought you got rid of the little one or something. And he responds like, oh, it's complicated. You're right. I, I think it does. It, yeah. it, 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 it both explained things and did not explain things at the same time. And I think they spent. Right. And so that this episode and we should talk more because I think this episode had to do, it had to catch people up. It had to reintroduce, introduce the Mandalorian after so after a long break and it had to set up the next season, you know, and what's going to happen. And it's, it's really tough that it's trying to do all three in one episode. And mm-hmm. it, it I, just, it just, it just makes it a challenge, right? It, it, to your point, Steven, they didn't address like, why is Grogu back with Luke or with, with Mando? They don't go into too much detail about how it, didn't work with Luke. Uh, it's a brief passing comment, but they also spend like the, the entire sequence with the armorer and, and with Bo-Katan, both entire scenes are really just repeating exactly what happened in the book of Boba Fett. And if you go with right. like almost word for word, right. The man, you know, the armorer has to tell Mando, sorry, you know, you are, you've removed your helmet. You're no longer a Mandalorian. You can go and bathe in the waters below Mandalore and redeem yourself, but like the planet is destroyed and probably doesn't exist anymore. And yeah, now now Mando somehow has proof with this little shard, this glass shard with an inscription on it that came from Mandalore. And so that part is new, but everything else is a repeat of uh, of of Book of Boba Fett, and the same is true for the yeah. Bo-Katan sequence. I think the thing that. I guess I would I disagree with it as a choice that they made because something you're like when we were you were t- describing what happens. My first thought was like I, we've already seen this. Isn't this what happened in 
my first of all it was season two. Like we already knew he was an apostate and yeah. had to get right. like, oh, you're but not, he you're wasn't right. kicked that out was... until Book of Boba Fett. Technically, you're right. it was on the glass ring. And so I was like, yeah. So as like you can think of Mandalorian having two audiences: the people who watched are invested and watch Book of Boba Fett, and uh-huh. the people that didn't. If right. you watch the Book of Boba Fett, this episode is a lot of repeat for no gain. Mm-hmm. Like there's not. I mean, we'll we'll walk through the other pieces, but like a lot of the exposition, you already knew. Mm-hmm. And if you haven't seen the show, haven't seen Book of Boba Fett, you get like the Cliff Notes version of it, where everything happened without context. Right. Um, like, why did he right. leave Luke? I, I don't know. Why is he back? He, well, he just, just is. What happened to his? Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I genuinely think they would have been better off if they'd announced like, "Hey, Mandalorian season three, episode zero, and it's just the you know that fifth episode of Book of Boba Fett." Yeah. Yes. It, yeah. If if those two episodes you know, let off it, this season, perfect. Yeah. If you if you didn't see Book of Boba Fett, great. You're right here for the Mandalorian in the Mandalorian queue, broadcast and you know marketed as the first episode of the season. This is the episode to go and watch. We, we talked and about that, you, right? right? Would would they put right, the episodes in the queue? And they definitely did not. You know, season three right. just it goes season two and then directly into season three, and there's no. Hey, by the way, you should watch. Like it's the the recap features some scenes from from book of boba fett but Mm -hmm. you know the the if you if you're not very much up and aware of what's going on it makes no sense so i I, you're totally right steven like it it kind of failed on both both counts yeah sadly because i this i love mandalorian i want it to succeed but this is the Mm -hmm. thing we talked about when we when we watched book of boba fett we're we're worried that this is not going to fare well when we go into Mandalorian season three. And it's exactly mm. what happened because it, it either felt repetitive or not enough explanation, you know, and you just missed all the cool stuff. And it's like, Oh, by the way, yeah, we saw Luke and it, he's gone. And you know, like, <laughs> right. Too bad. Uh, it's tough. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, I <sighs> yeah, like it's, you know, and then of course there's the rest of the episode is really set up for the rest of the season. And that's where, I I like the episode and it it sets up some really interesting things that had previously been hinted about, right? We 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 get confirmation again that Mando wants to go back to uh to Mandalore and bathe in the waters and there's a, a you know, you can see like in the sequence with the armor that she is not um she she's very reticent to let him back in, right? He 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 quotes quotes the quick creed, and he's like, "Well, if I do this, you have to let me back in." And she's like, "That awkward silence for you know <laughs> a, quite a long time." And it's like, "Yep, this is the way. I, that's it." Um, it's never joined a cult. This is why. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Don't, don't yeah. join a cult. And, it's not worth it. <laughs> right, and then and then that that brings up the question later when he goes to Bo Katan uh-huh. that that when we get there. Because th- there's a spot of when he's going to the planet that Bogotan's on, you know, when he's trying. We'll get to that at some point. No, let's let's talk. But, let's, let's go into now. I mean, it happens oh, at the end of the now? episode. Okay. Let's jump. Let's no, jump right actually, in. Okay. Hang on. Before before we get to Tom's point, I, I want we will come back to it in a moment. The other thing okay. that threw me across through threw me in this episode. So he fi- he has proof that the mines still exist to some degree. Right. He uh, he tells the armor he's going to go to the mines, and then he jumps into hyperspace. And in my mind, I was like. Oh, thank God, we're going straight to Mandalore. I was so worried we were going to spend the entire season or multiple episodes, like, getting to the point where we already knew he should be going. And then he shows up in Navarro and has, like, a bunch of side quest stuff with IG-11 that Mm -hmm. doesn't make sense to me. 
Right. Which and then okay, only, like and then you think guess, he's going like, to continue the side the IG Eleven side quest, and then he goes back to Mandalore, right. and then he goes right. to Mandalore, and I was yeah. like, we'll talk about IG Eleven in a moment, but like, I was so confused. Like, okay, so you you didn't want to go straight to Mandalore because you wanted a droid. Which, again, we'll okay. talk about that moment. And, I have issues with that. Then you went yeah, yeah. to a neighboring planet in the Mandalore system, and then you went straight to Mandalore. Like, what? What was the purpose of this episode? Well, this I think, the, like, well, I mean, they're they're definitely. We sorry, Tom. Okay, okay. Here's it, it. There's definitely a point of him going to 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 go get IG Eleven. Okay, there has to be a point. He cannot go to that planet by himself because he feels but, he needs that droid. For protection, but so the only does. way for him to that's go. That's what happens at the end of the episode. Right. Okay. He tells right. Bo right. but, going to Mandalore. Well, right. And but but that, but here's the thing, he needs he needs IG-11 for protection. Why? Okay. And then on top of that, and this this is what well, frustrates me about this, he had a really cool ship in the Razor Crest. Okay, where he could have Grogu and IG-11 in the ship with him and all his stuff. And now he's got this really cool hot rod fighter. Where is he going to put IG eleven? That's actually a good question. I had thought about that, about that, but no, you know, I think if no, no, I, no I, let, let's let's come back to IG eleven because there's a lot to discuss okay. on the on if, Navarro. No, I will th say, there, if, there's there's a lot to bring that up. I, I get it. I get. It. If we spend so if the next episode he goes to Mandalore and then goes back to Navarro and then goes back to Mandalore, I will well, I'll be frustrated. Oh yeah, <laughs> I no, I agree. So I totally frustrated. Agree. Well, so, I feel like that's what we're heading towards. I, I don't know. So the. When well, I some of the the, the pre-release interviews, I, I don't have the exact quote here in front of me, but they talked about how this season is a lot more focused on. Oh no, it's actually talking about um, Cara Dune, right? It, it, we'll come back to to her as well. But yeah, we have to come back. To they the the comment is that this season is a lot more focused on Mandalore, which I think is a great thing. It sounds like he's. It sounds to me like he's going to have a much more linear story instead of having. Um, you know, random adventures kind of tied around a high level goal. It sounds like mm -hmm. he's going to be going to Mandalore and then uh, I hope different episodes on Mandalore as he continues his journey. That's where I hope it's okay. going. Okay. But However, that's the thing. if there's, if there's mm -hmm. going to be, okay, I'm sorry. Can, fin finish. Cause you're probably going to answer my question, but finish first. I'm yeah. sorry. However, I think the, this is the, the part I think that's important. And what, makes this episode struggle and i hope the rest of the season will not have this 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 problem is that because this episode has to catch people up on what happened from book of boba fett and set up the new season um first they really had to tell people what mando's goal is again and that's getting to mandalore and so you needed that scene with the armor again where she mm -hmm. tells him you know, and they kind of discuss, I'm going to need to, you know, here's what you need to go do to bring yourself to get back into the, the Mandalorians again. So that was, they had to set start there. And even though like chronologically, she, he just met with her, not too, well, in theory, not too long ago. We'll talk about how long time passed as well, how much time passed. But, you know, we saw her give the, give Mando the instructions in Book of Boba Fett. We come back basically two episodes later, right? And she's, she's giving him the same instructions. Um, but you needed to do that to set up the, the season. And then we go to Navarro because we, he wanted to, you know, establish the relationship with grief Karga again, it's kind of more familiar. We wanted to get IG 11 back in. I'm excited to discuss that. And then I think what he should have done was go after IG 11 and try to find the parts, but, but because that part, hold on, hold on. but I think that's what they would have done normally, but because they needed to explain the rest of the 
uh, of the events from from Book of Boba Fett, he then has to go to Bo-Katan and get her to kind of reiterate all of the stuff as well. And I think it's it's because they're trying to set it all up in one episode that it feels disjointed, where he feels like there's there's too many storylines happening at once. Um, and if they had, I think if they did, hadn't had Book of Boba Fett, uh, and so much happened in the Book of Boba Fett, it would have been a lot simpler and more streamlined finale. And my hope is that going forward, it will be more linear, and they just had to cram everything into that first episode. Okay. That's my I, two cents. I, I could be wrong. Okay. I, I think I think for me, what would have made this work? Okay. You got to go to Navarro. You need IG-11. Okay. I got to get his memory chip. Oh, the memory chip doesn't exist. Well, if I get your memory chip, can I bring it back to you and can you make him work? Yes, I can. Great. I'm going to go get the memory chip. Put him on the quest to go get the memory chip. Let him find the memory chip. Let him bring the memory chip back. Let him fix IG-11. And then go see Bogotan because he's walking in with IG-11 behind him and the kid and this Mando to sit there and finally talk to to her to say, I'm finally going to go to Mandalore. And then boom, you're going to Mandalore. And I, I think that's what they would have done if they'd had time to get the chip in this episode. But they didn't. And so they skipped to Bo-Katan so that he can go back and find the chip and then go back and try to do his mission. Well, I think what they made doesn't excuse do, it, but I think that's the logic. Okay. I think I, what they really want to try and do is put a chip on the shoulder of Bo-Katan that he's going to go to Mandalore. Yeah. That too. I, William, everything you just described, I think would have been better served with a like five minute last time on Book of Boba Fett mm-hmm. Mandalorian. At the hey, beginning. pause yes. right now. Go watch, yes. Mandal- yes. Go watch Book yes. of Boba Fett if you really want no, to and yes. then come back. Don't even <laughs> just a, a recap. Yeah. Like they even did a short recap at the beginning, but they just needed to make it like five minutes long. Yeah. And edit mm-hmm. a bunch of footage basically from episode five down into a summary. Like yeah. show Grogu right. and Luke, show the decision, show him coming back. You know, show the conversation with right. the, you know, the I'm blanking the armorer, um, and then you can start. Yep. And I yeah, mean, could, I think and, it would have simplified start everything. On Navarro, yeah, he could he could have started on his yep. mission to Navarro. He could have started. In, we we could have started with that really cool scene of him in hyperspace, Grogu in the back, looking at the hyperspace lanes, and all of a sudden seeing, oh my God, what appears in hyperspace? Yeah, a purgle. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So, so we're we're going going all over. So let's 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 let's. I want to just wrap up about the Bo-Katan sequence, and then we can talk about Purgle, the Purgle, and the implications there because there's so much. Uh, I agree, though. I think it, Stephen, it would have simplified it a lot, and I guess it just ultimately kind of comes down to the the struggle of how they place the episodes in the Book of Boba Fett, and I I guess guess they're trying to get you to watch the other shows in some ways, but it made it it made it challenging that that said i did like seeing this this mandalorian castle on kalavala it was it was cool and bo-katan is very she's very different now what what did you guys think of seeing how almost depressed she is i i wouldn't say depressed no steven go ahead i think i've talked too much go ahead i felt a little bit mixed um i you know, Bo-Katan, I, I would say she's depressed because her, you know, she even says like her army has melted away because she lost the Darksaber. I, it just felt a little weird to me as like a, a story beat and we'll see what else comes of it. Like it, I, there's currently could be more that resulted in the, you know, her people's loss of faith in her, but like they didn't have the Darksaber for, 
I feel mm-hmm. like so much of the Clone Wars. Mm-hmm. You can almost uh, say millennia or whatever. And so like to have like, oh, I, I didn't have the Darksaber, so all my people abandoned me. Just felt kind of cheap, a way to like reduce her role in the story to some degree. And I, mm-hmm. I want to see... I guess I want to see some more complicated storytelling for Mandalore beyond like he who holds the dark saber is leader of Mandalore. I want to see a little bit of the kind of politics and jockeying for amongst factions that we saw in the original Mandalorian stories in Clone Wars mm-hmm. that so much mm-hmm. this is kind of growing out of. Yeah. Um, what we have so far feels a, a little meh. To me, like it's, I want to see more out of this. That's, and again, maybe it's the first episode. I'm not, you know, writing off Bo Katan yet, but I, I definitely want to see her play a more active role in the story and see the Mandalorian people play a more active role in the story. What, what I would have loved to have seen was, well, first off, I didn't understand the here you have the Mandalorian at the beginning of the episode saying, I want to come back and I want to come back into to, to the clan. Okay. Armor. No, you can't. You have to go bathe in. The, well, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go bathe in the waters under Mandalore. Then, then he goes into the castle, Bo-Katan's castle, and says, I want to join your clan. Wait a minute. Okay? Here you are at the beginning of the episode trying to redeem yourself, but now you want to go to Bo-Katan. Okay? And Bo-Katan basically blows you off. Now, here's, here's what kind of frustrated me on this aspect. She asks him flat out, do you have the dark saber? He goes, yes. Don't you think what would have been a true Mandalorian thing? She would have sat there, gotten off her throne and tried to start to kick his butt to try and win it back instead of be like, oh, well, now go wave it across the galaxy because I've lost my I've lost my clan. They're now pirates. Well, not pirates. They're now mercenaries throughout the galaxy. I can't win them back. He's right in front of you. Well, so I think I get the sense that Bo-Katan, and I think this is probably a story choice where they wanted to keep her sympathetic. They didn't want her to uh, go after Mando, right? Because she has two options. If she she can either kind of give up, have and or have Mando lead the Mandalorians, or okay. she can fight the Mandalorian Dinjarin and steal the dark saber. Because the only way she can legitimately hold the dark saber is if she wins it in battle. But which totally get totally, and get. so I I think what they're I don't think they wanted her to just like attack Dinjarin, and so I think the only other option was to kind of have okay, one of the only options was to have her be kind of giving up and have him lead it instead. Now will that but, maintain? Do you think she'll get the dark saber back? I don't. Okay, I, I suspect maybe. But but could couldn't it have been just a little bit of a fight? I mean, it could have just been a fight to a standstill, just something. I mean, just just a But the a problem is, if, if they something. fight, then that that shows, Bo that that is Bo Katan, you know, trying to go after Mando, and it just it it's a very different characterization of her. And I don't think they wanted to go there. I but, think that's but my. To, but to me, it's it's a Mandalorian. Okay, we saw her for for those who have not really watched the Clone Wars, the end of the Clone Wars. She she was leading these troops. She was battle hardened. She was this. She was that. She was mad at her sister for being a pacifist. And in a way, that's what she is at this moment because she's given mm-hmm. up. Yeah, she has. Okay. Yeah. And and you're sitting here going, 
yes, you are a different character than where you were in the Clone Wars. You're still the same actress. You're still basically playing the same character, but you're different in this in this respect. But just a little bit. I mean, even if it's a run at him to where they just have two vibro blades next to each other, just like I could go after you, but but my will for this is just you've got it. Yeah. You, something, something like a, the fight is still there. It seemed to me that okay, maybe she's I mean, you, fought too hard. She's given up, but just just a little bit of a fire in it. I mean, it's a good point. I, I mean, I guess if you think about it from another perspective, she's been fighting this fight for years at this point, right? Twenty years, um, yes. more. Twenty five. Like she's that? been in this fight since she was six years old. Yeah, almost <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, and. You know, she she had the dark side at one at one point. It was stolen from her, and it just maybe she feels like she's just been beating her head against a wall for for decades at this point, and it's not working, right? And and she feels very dejected, and 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 like it's not working. And so maybe that's why she's she's giving up. And I think I hope that we'll see her come around in this season, where she will. I mean, I think there's two options: either she becomes the new you know leader of Mandalore. Or Din Djarin does, and I, I don't. I doubt she I, will battle Din Djarin, and so either he loses it, and then she st- she fights, it, do, takes it back from whoever loses it, or they come up with some way of making it so that he can lose it without them doing battle. I don't know, but or maybe he does become right. He's he goes from being the a foundling of a cult to the leader of the true Mandalorians. Maybe that's the arc they want to tell. That that's where my money is right now. I think that's where we're going. And he doesn't want it. He's kind of the reluctant leader, but sometimes the best leaders are the reluctant ones. Well, that is true. That that's very true. I don't know. But whatever it is, um yeah, it's it, it's a very different characterization of Bo-Katan. Not one I'm necessarily against, right? But it it he, Mando thinks he's going to join Bo-Katan and they're going to storm Mandalore and he realizes Nah, he's kind of kind of on his own, right? He he's got the dark saber. Maybe he could rally the other forces, but they're they're kind of scattered. They and it makes sense, right? They would give up when she comes this close to getting the dark saber back and and loses it again. Of course, the Mandalorians would give up on her. It makes sense to me. And that part I totally agree with. If yeah. she's given up, then what's the point of following a leader that's given up? Yeah. I don't know. I I feel like this this season is really going to be about Din Djarin realizing even more that the group he has believed in for his whole time, you know, his whole life, the children of the watch, are really they are a cult. They're not true Mandalorians. And he doesn't have to worry about bathing in the waters of you know, the, 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 uh, the waters of Mandalore, because right now that's the only way they'll let him back in. Well, he doesn't really realize he doesn't have to do it. And Bo-Katan even tells him he's a fool, right? He doesn't have to do that. He's a Mandalorian, whether or not the armor thinks he is. Um, and I think that's going to be his journey. And maybe it is ultimately becoming the leader of Mandalore from this, this apostate, the outcast to, uh, the true leader of the people. I think that's where the season is going to go. Yeah, I think we'll find out. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I do think it's worth 
Tommy, you started to bring it up, but the Purgles at the very beginning go ahead. Grogu sees while in hyperspace. I mean, I am assuming that's just a tease for what will eventually be the Ahsoka show, which will bring back Ezra and I presume Thrawn. Do you guys think there was more to the Purgles than that? I think it's exactly what it is. That's, yeah, I, yeah. I, don't, I don't know what else within Mandalorian they, they could have the Purgle be anything else but a tease of this is what's coming. The Mandalorian has shown that they like to tease other spinoff shows, whether it's, you know, the now defunct Rangers of the New Republic or, you know, Ahsoka name dropping Thrawn in season two of the Mandalorian. Um, you know, we're, we, we already know that, that there's a search for Thrawn out there and presumably, I mean, there's all sorts of rumors and leaks, but presumably the Ahsoka series will be, you know, Ahsoka and Sabine looking for Thrawn and Ezra after they were, you know, basically taken into somewhere into hyperspace by the Purgle um, in at the end of Star Wars Rebels. And and so seeing the Purgle heal, I think I think it was part of it was like a we need to establish these creatures, these hyper because it's kind of a weird concept in some ways, these hyperspace creatures. We need to establish the concept so that when it resurfaces in Ahsoka, it feels not out of left field. I think that's kind of the idea here. And it's a really cool tease. And it's a great moment with Grogu too, right? Where he's, you know, admiring the galaxy while he's in the cockpit or in that little bubble. All right. The, the astromech bubble. And he sees these Pergil and is, is fan as fan of rebels. I thought it was really cool. And then he goes and, you know, snuggles I, with Mando. It's, it's adorable. You know, <laughs> I think what would have been cooler is if one of them was still trailing the Simura behind it. No, that that, that they, they can't do that though, Tom. So they can't, cool. No, they they can't put they can't have Thrawn's ship. Like have, there's there's so many Purgle out there. It I it would have been too convenient. It would have been way too convenient. I know it would have been too convenient, but you know it would have nah. been. Yeah, <laughs> I disagree I with you. But, that's okay. But still, that's fine. Yeah. We'll disagree. We'll we'll agree to disagree. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah, it, it was really cool. What, what do you think, Stephen? Do you have any other thoughts there? Nope, uh, that was it. I, I do have some thoughts on, you know, Grogu's role in the show, but I, I think I'm going to leave that. I didn't like the scene was fine. And then it <laughs> brings us to Navarro, where, uh, like, I'm actually going to ask you guys, because I wasn't 100% Like, so the Mandalorian returns to Navarro because he wants a droid to go with him to the mines of Mandalore. And I it sounded like he wanted it, was it, like, for protection? Did I hear that, that correctly? That's what confused me, too. Go ahead. No, I, I, I'm asking you because I'm, I'm generally not sure. Like it, it no, sounded like protection, I, but I don't know what I think like, what, why he thinks that's an issue. I, I think it's a protection for either him or for Grogu. That that to me was was the thing. I think it's for okay. Grogu. Yeah. Okay. So he's looking well, for it, a babysitter. It, it, Is that the right? He. I think you're right because basically, because basically that's what happened in the first season of Mandalore. Uh, IG Eleven ended up becoming the babysitter. So, and that's why he needed to go find the chip, because when they actually revived IG-11, he went back to his actual programming of, I have my bounty, I need to destroy it. So that's, it's, it's funny, I think the question becomes, why did it all of a sudden default to that original programming compared to the final program that was in there? But it was for a story beat. Uh, William, I, your thought? Or whoever. Steven, no, you, right. you go first. I was going to say, I, I was... Oh, I feel mixed. I think I was glad to see IG-11 return. Um, he was 
a great part of, you know, or I guess he didn't really return fully, but start to return. I think they're hinting that he'll come back more fully as the season goes on. Um, great character in the first season, you know, has his heroic sacrifice. I'm, I hope it's not just going to feel completely like they're pandering. Um, it felt a little bit that way. Like the show goes away for two years and then they're like, oh, what was popular in the first season? Oh, let's bring back IG-11. Everyone loved IG-11. Like, we we saw him blow up, but apparently not enough that, like, you know, most of him still seems to be there, which I thought was a little bit weird. Yeah, his whole upper uh, torso and, like, yeah, yeah. And, like, they kind of justify with the Mandalorian arguing, like, oh, I, this is the only droid I trust. But, like, I thought he'd kind of work through mm-hmm. that to some degree. But, like, I don't know. It, it I felt guess... like a, a detour. And especially because I wanted him to get to Mandalore. Yeah. I, just, I didn't feel like this was the most important story. Yeah, I, I will. Oh, sorry. Go no, ahead. F- finish your thoughts. Sorry, I didn't interrupt. Okay, yeah, finish well, it. I'm, I'm going to change subject slightly. I will say it did give us the ability, the the grace, the majesty of seeing Grief Cargo with his little cape wheeling droids. Oh, my oh gosh, God. That, that was that almost made I me laugh. Was pretty fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Uh, it, it there's actually a lot to talk about on Navarro as well. But I guess to just to add my two cents on the IG-11 piece, it's. I loved IG-11 from season one. Uh, he, he, both both IG-11 and Quill were some of my favorite characters that both were killed off in the first season and makes me very sad. Um, that said, like you guys, I was a little surprised that he wants IG-11 back only because the, the droid is, he was blown up by a thermal debt. He, he had like a his self-destruct sequence. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of shocked that, as an assassin droid, his self-destruct sequence doesn't actually destruct his entire self. But okay, that, that aside, um, the you know, it's cool to see him in the statue, and they they go and they repair him. I don't fully understand why Mando wants him either, presumably as a babysitter. But the thing I kept coming back to was, even if they repair him in his, his pieces, he's not the same droid. He's been completely blown up. I I find it very unlikely that he would be the same character, and. I think as a result, that's why we see him kind of default to his, uh, you know, original. I guess well, he clearly has some sort of yeah, memory. Yeah, because he remembers the mission. Right, because he remembers the mission. So yeah, he remembers the mission. So maybe his memory circuits weren't destroyed either, in which case that's a terrible self-destruct sequence because yeah. someone could recover okay. you and, you know, get get to your databanks. That's terrible. Um, okay, but, but, but it's uh, not just that. If, there, if Mando's supposed to go out and get a brand new memory chip for IG-11 then technically it's not the IG-11 from the first season. So he right. really should not be defaulting back to his original programming of an assassin droid. He, he may default to an assassin droid, but not the programming of going after Grogu. Exactly, yeah. So exactly. So yeah, I would I would imagine that if he's rebuilt, he would just be, well, however they programmed him because he's a blank slate. But maybe he's not. Maybe there's some left. They clearly wasn't, clear, clearly was not the most recent update that Quill did to make him loyal to Grogu. Um. And it was the kind of the one before that. So it's it's all very unclear. Now, it's a really cool scene. I love seeing almost like a kind of horror scene with, you know, IG-11 coming alive and trying to kill Grogu and climbing around along, you know, crawling along the floor. It's a it's really well done. It's really cool. And I liked all that aspect. And I'm excited to have IG-11 back. I, I just don't, don't get why Mando wants him so bad as opposed to any other droid. Because if he's getting a new droid and he's, he's rebuilding that much program another droid you're gonna be just as successful and you won't have to re- rebuild a blown up droid i don't know i don't that's what i don't get i guess i 
I thought the scene was a neat idea. I was so confused why the Mandalorian can't hit IG-11 when he's two feet away from him. Yep. It just, that, I, I get what they were going for. I'll say, William, it looked a little bit funky to me. Yeah. And uh, it looked like stop motion, honestly. That's I think yeah, that's it, what they were uh, using. It looked like Harry Housen. Yeah. Yeah, it looked um, like a Harry. It was specifically like the Mandalorian missing. And I'll say I did not like the football throw of Grogu to Grief Karga. <laughs> I, that's right. I forgot about that. Uh, and, uh are you using his head okay. to take out IG eleven? <laughs> that's great. Yeah, that's true. Well, well, okay, you have to admit though, Grogu sitting there in the chair spinning around. Okay, was kind of funny. Oh, and then yeah, I, I I thought I thought that was actually kind of funny, because that's like a little kid. And then to sit there and sneak a candy, I thought was kind of funny also. I have a question for you, Tom. Okay, go ahead. How many cute baby Yoda is a baby scenes? Do you think they can do as many as possible? If <laughs> my wife has any way, as many as possible. No, and because because they had three of them in this as well. Because I just mentioned two, yeah. but don't forget when they were in the 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 uh, room that Mando can't fit in to repair IG-11, Grogu went after one of the guys trying to repair it, thinking it was going to be a pet, and was hugging him and wanted to take him home. Oh so, yeah, the Enzel, which was cool. The, it was cool to see the Enzelins too, like you know, and, the, like Babu like, Frick. And that was, yeah, and that actually, you have to sit there and really listen. It was the second time through. I, I like I like the species and I like how they talk because you really have to focus to understand what they're saying because every once in a while it's gibberish, but then you start understanding what they're saying because they will throw in words every once in a while. Yeah. So you can understand, oh yeah, we can fix. Yeah, blah, 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 blah. and we'll you know, grief that. trying to translate for for, for Mando Which, was pretty that, funny that too. It was also kind of Yeah. Yeah. No, it is I I liked seeing the Enzelans back. It was cool. Um and, you know, I, I thought it made sense, right? That they would be the ones of anyone that they could repair IG 11. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I like, I like that, that, that piece of it, but you know, I guess Tom, you, you, you brought up the, you know, baby Yoda's cuteness, right? Um, yeah. I, I enjoy it. I think it's kind of part of the show and I don't think it'll ever go away. Cause that's, that's, that's what a lot I, of people love about it. And, and I think, but, but it's also going to be, and I think I'm going to, I'm going to go back to my, everything works in threes which they did it three times in this episode by way of cuteness, the spinning in the chair, the grabbing of the candy and, and going after the, the, the repair guy. Well, and, thinking it was a pet. and snuggling that, with Mando in the cockpit. That's another one. That's, but, but that's kind of, that's kind of, to me, that was different. Okay. Cause I'm looking at, at the funny aspect of it. Okay. Okay. The snuggle thing you can kind of understand. Okay. I, I get that part, but if they go further than that, then I think people are going to go, Oh, now it's becoming cliche. Now it's becoming this. Now it's becoming that. We have to do this in every episode to make sure he looks cute. And I think at that point, it's going to end up wearing off. So they got to be careful if they do stuff like that. Uh, and I'll say, I am I am very much at that point, Tom. And the, the thing that crystallized it for me, there's two pieces. One is uh, Pedro Pascal has another show going on right now, The Last of Us, which is also fantastic. And... If you like, in some ways, it's honestly the same kind of trope. Like he plays mm-hmm. the grizzled older character shepherding a young child. But the child in The Last of Us is able to interact with them because she's, you know, like a young teenager effectively. Grogu doesn't beyond his like cute baby noises and his like cute hijinks. And yes. 
I really want to see more. Like the and the the scene where he throws Grogu to Grief Karga crystallized it for me because it's like, oh yeah, Grogu is just a football that Mando has to carry around everywhere he goes. His mm-hmm. per, he serves no other purpose of the plot now. Like we'll see. Like maybe there's something will come up, but there's no there's no story reason for him to be there anymore beyond like he wanted to go back to Mando which happened again off screen to this show. Mm-hmm. I really like, I wish they would develop Grogu to give him more personality, more agency, more character um, where he can, I feel like he can actually participate as an equal in some way and not just, do you, I am there to make cute baby noises and try and be cute. Cause I, do you think they'll me, make him that, grow up? I, sorry. Do you think they'll have him grow up? I, I think they should. I don't think they will. Yeah, and, and that that's the other thing. When it comes to this species, what what is the what is the time frame of growth? I mean, they I mean, can't he's fifty years old and he's episode. still a baby, right? <laughs> yeah, but 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 that I that part I get. But they can't have him in the next episode all of a sudden be now. Let's theoretically stay it, seventy years old. If when, they were going to do it, much, they needed to do it before the season started. And right. I think, and there needed to be the time did, jump. What I is, it's the I'm gonna call it the baby Groot problem to some degree. Like you know, Guardians of the Galaxy creates baby Groot. Great baby Groot's adorable. Right. The next movie, he's you know teenage Groot, and he's no longer cuddly cute. You know, like I'm sure there are people who still like him, but like I would say the appeal and the merchandising is certainly not to the same degree. Mm-hmm. Um. And, you know, the Guardians 3 is going to have him, you know, young adult group, it looks like, or something like that. Like, I, I, I don't actually know. But I, I suspect they're afraid of losing that cute factor. And so they will keep Baby Yoda a child, a baby forever, as long as the show runs. And I think, I suspect more and more people will get bored because they won't have anything to do with him. Especially mm-hmm. now that his, the whole, like, Jedi plot seems to kind of be done. Um, yeah, it, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe like they'll have written a new arc that includes him and he gets to have agency and do something. But I'm I'm doubtful. I mean, like Mando does teach him how to start starts to teach him how to fly a ship in this episode. So he's starting mm-hmm. to learn, you know, more. And we see him, I think, based on the trailers, he'll start to use the force a lot more, not just for like spinning his chair around, which is hilarious, but also, uh, you know, there's that creature in the trailer. And so I do think if, we'll see could some you, growth from him will he be talking could you buy a it. scene like the opening of this episode where the you know the starfighter comes in and shoots down the the uh the like lizard uh, if that yeah, was the, baby yoda piloting would you have bought that would that no no i like, think it would oh, take yeah, i think it would take happen. many no. many seasons to get there but right yeah. yeah and at that point he like mandalorian is carrying football around for the next three years of show and that is, I think, my issue with it. And maybe that's why they want IG-11 back, right? So they can have a foil for Mando there by his side. And that's you know what? If that's what they're doing, A-plus, I think that solves at least part of that issue. It doesn't solve Baby Yoda, but at least gives the show some more to play with, which right. I think is I, needed. Yeah, because I think mm-hmm. they will have the cuteness factor still. They're not going to get rid of that. Yeah. My wife would also well, revolt if they did. <laughs> oh, <laughs> but, I know. You know. I'm aware of that, too. Uh, yeah, and they also can't because he's now walking around Galaxy's Edge on two coasts. Right. So you know yeah. that the whole thing about Baby Yoda growing up, it, it's it's going to be difficult because again, 
if you're going to grow that character up, you're going to have to have a time jump. You're going to grow goo the character up? No. Did you have to? <laughs> time time jump. Though, speaking of time jumps, um, you know, the we we see a very different Navarro here. Um, there, the city has been built up extensively. It looks almost like Galaxy's Edge, right? It, it's a very different place. Even just the contrast, right? Whereas previously it was kind of a rough and tumble neighborhood, almost like a you know old uh, you know, the West type of thing. Mm-hmm. Now you have street musicians and droids promoting tourism and um you know Kowakian monkey that, lizards that, getting hanging from many, trees instead of getting served and as the food. The many-handed droid, the yeah. many-handed droid that was cooking. Yeah, exactly, which, which was from Book of Boba Fett. So we saw the same droid in Jabba's palace. Um you know, it's it's a very different place and it's prospering and it, he, Grief Karga almost had like a Lando feel to him in this episode even more so than yep. last season. Um Yep. And uh, it's it's really interesting to see, and, and this really reinforces that there's been a lot of time that's passed. We, know, we don't know exactly how much. Um, there was a, a a misquoted article or interview where uh, I think it was John Favreau was talking about how long, about how it's been two years since the last season of The Mandalorian. And some, some people interpret that to mean two years in-universe, whereas I think he clarified and said it was two years uh, you know, real time, right? As we as we know, and we've talked about earlier in this episode. But while it may not be two years, clearly a lot of time has passed uh, in universe, and I guess it makes sense, right? Because you know, who knows how long Grogu was with Luke? Um, could have been months or even a year. Who knows? Uh, and then you know, Mando gets Grogu back, and maybe they don't go to to Navarro, you know, this maybe this episode doesn't start right off right off after Book of Boba Fett. I suspect maybe it does, and that the gap is between when Mando loses Grogu and regains him. But yeah, clearly a lot of time has passed. What do you guys think? I think one of the coolest things sorry. sorry. I I think one of the coolest things was to see Grief Karga basically happy that they have become this big trade route along the Hydean way and sitting there being a businessman, almost like a Lando feel of, Hey, you know, where my name's asteroids appear on the system. And you know what? This is such a great place. Why don't you Mando? I've got a spot over here in this Valley. Why don't you settle down? You and the little ones settle down. That way you can just great spot for you right over here. You, you don't have to do what you're doing, or you could stay here and be a marshal for us. <laughs> almost oh, I do, know. Not as an yeah. or, but as an and. <laughs> Like yeah. he's well, trying yeah. to attract Mandalorian yeah, yeah. to stay because he needs a marshal now that Cara Dune has left. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And they, they, they definitely, you know, one of the big things going into this season was going to be the big question was how are they going to address Cara Dune's absence uh, now that Gina Carano is no longer with the show? And, um, you know, I think the, the obvious and easy way out was, yeah, she took the offer last from last season and she's off doing her thing. And that's exactly the route they, <laughs> They they took um, you know, and this is that yep. like that interview I mentioned earlier where John Favreau and Rick Famuyiwa are talking about how the time, how much time it's been since last season has kind of allowed them to focus on Mandalore and newer characters like Bo Katan. Maybe and they didn't need to bring Cara Dune back, um, but at least she's out there somewhere, 
you know, I, I like I like that you know Cara Dune is still out there in the New Republic. They didn't kill her off, so they have the opportunity to do something with her in the future. What, what did mm-hmm. you think, Stephen? No, I thought it was, you know, uh, there were some reasons they wanted to remove the character from the show, and I thought they handled it about as respectfully as they could here. Like, you know, a clear, non-ambiguous answer, uh, an allusion to what you know what the character might be doing elsewhere, and then you know, leave it at that. You know, leave the rest of imagination. Perhaps someday she comes back if there's a desire or an interest or, you know, whatever it might yeah. be. But I thought it worked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was smooth. It was yeah. the type of thing you want to see when something like this has to happen. Mm-hmm. Tom, uh, any, any, any thoughts on the, I, whole, the whole grief cargo scene? I think I think that was probably the... I agree with Stephen. It was the smoothest way to do it. And that way you leave it open to where the character if they wanted to, can always come back. Yeah. So, exactly. yeah. And, and, you know, there was no other way for them to handle it. No, yeah. I, I, and I'm glad they did that rather than just like killing her off or something, you know, and it, yeah. and, and given the show's focus on Mandalore, it, it, it does make sense that you don't, you don't feel like, like even Grief Cargo would not have been missing in this episode necessarily if they went straight to Mandalore. You wouldn't have to bring him back. Um, of course, we like him. We like IG-11 uh, and other characters, but you know, it, it would make it would make sense. Um, we also get a throwaway line about Moff Gideon's fate and how he's still in New Republic custody, facing a war tribunal. I I, I have a feeling he will escape again. I don't know what you guys think, and that he will continue to be a, a threat, but maybe not. I don't know. I would be surprised if he comes back this season. Actually, I suspect there. I. At the pace the Mandalorian usually works, I suspect most of the season will deal with the, you know, things happening on Mandalore, and maybe Gideon will be teased as the finale or something like that. Um, but I, I don't think we'll see much of him here. I do expect we'll probably spend a good chunk of this season on uh, our new Pirate King as well. Um, <laughs> oh, God. Yep. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. I, I wasn't expecting the crossover with... Uh, Wow. Pirates go of the there. Caribbean, but there you know. go. He, he looked like Davy Jones, uh, yes. Pirates of the Caribbean, crossed with an Easter, like the the stuffing in an Easter basket. <laughs> like, well, yeah. I, I uh. what I've read, and, and it kind of makes sense. He does look like a cross between Davy Jones and Swamp Thing. He really, yeah. really does. Yeah. So yeah. Crazy look aside, he didn't present that much of a threat in this episode. You know, we saw his henchman uh nonzo uh or sorry vane sorry um uh gorian chart is played by nonzo uh and Ozi. we saw his henchman vane causing a lot of trouble at the school because it's respectable now and you know he they they let him leave and sure enough he comes back later and causes all sorts of problems as, as mando's trying to to leave navarro uh steven you love i know you love the space battles what do you think of I that? I do love space fight? battles. I really appreciated uh, the engagement in and around the asteroid field. Um, yeah, I mean, I honestly, I don't really have any notes to add to it. Like, it just that type of battle was cool. I liked seeing the ship, the pirate fighter ships. Like, I wish I didn't recognize them. I suspect I think they were new designs. Um, I mean, you can confirm or deny because William, you tend to know that type of thing. But oh, I don't. <laughs> don't I, I think or new, not right? this yeah. time. <laughs> I, uh, so I think they're new designs. They, I think they, they are, are new. Cool. Yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, like it was, it was a, a neat sequence. And as much as I hate the N1 Starfighter for the Mandalorian's purposes, 
uh, I thought it was a good showcase of its ability and skill. And uh, the pirate ship was neat to see too. And I, I assume we'll see more of it. But yeah. uh, I mean, we'll he didn't really out. present that much of a threat, right? By the time he, the pirate king, actually shows up, um, he's no it's, Mando uh, basically fairly, just like goes into fairly mellow. Yeah, he like yeah. boosts right around his ship and gets out of there. Yeah. Um, I, so I, I will. Guess. I will have to say one thing, and I did enjoy the pirate ship. It was really cool to see the guns. They were like ball turrets from a B-29 because they had actual pirates inside them. That I thought was really freaking cool. Yeah. That was that was For that sure. was neat. Yeah, I thought the whole sequence overall was fine, not particularly remarkable, um, but it, it didn't have the wow factor that like we got in Andor. But like, again, I'll I'll take any good space battle. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And like the hunt, the hide and seek in the asteroid field was pretty neat as well. Like that, it, that it was, was a cool, cool sequence. Yeah, yeah, because I, I think for me, the hide and seek worked because it added tension to it because they're all like looking around trying to find him. And then out of nowhere, he came one to get blasted or you see one of the pirates like looking around, but you see one of the other pirates behind an asteroid get blasted, which freaks out the other one. So, yeah, I, I really enjoyed that, too. Yeah. So. We we talked about we talked about the you know whether did some speculation around whether Mando will get the dark keep the dark saber or whether Bo-Katan will get it but you know what do you guys think will any other thoughts or theories for what will happen this season aside from going to Mandalore I mean I, I think we're going to see Mandalore uh, retaken by the Mandalorian clans with Din Djarin as Mandalore is my my bet um I suspect that will also take most, if not all, of the season to actually come to fruit. But that there's my my prediction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I I I I think we're all probably well. I think that's going to happen too. Yeah. As a as a you know, I think I I am very excited about a more focused season. I hope right where we're, we're going to spend more time on Mandalore. As fans of the Clone Wars, I think getting to spend a bunch of time on Mandalore sounds just incredible, right? We get to go like the the waters are underneath the Civic Center on Sundari, you know, the 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 capital city. Like, there's so much awesome, awesome potential here, um, and, and so I'm I'm very very excited. Uh, you know, we've always wanted to see more of Mandalore. It really does feel like they're taking these plot points from the Clone Wars and Rebels and and allowing us to finally see them on screen. So that part is, is very cool. Uh, also one thing I wasn't, I guess wasn't on my bingo card, but at least for this season, but makes me excited, especially with where they're going in, um, you know, uh, other, other shows like bad batch potentially is, uh, the, you know, in an interview, um, Omid Abtahi, of course, who plays Dr. Pershing said that we'll learn more about his character in season three. So that is very interesting to me as well, given that Dr. Pershing is very much related to, uh, we think, right? Cloning and Mount Tantus and everything. And so getting more of him in season three, that has me very intrigued. Yeah, that's curious. I'm interested to see where that fits in and how. Yeah. Yeah, very, very much so. Um, yeah, I don't know. Should we should we get into our review, or what do you guys think? Are the ratings? Yeah, let's do it. 
Yeah, let's do it. Um, I'll volunteer. I'll go first. Okay. Okay. Um, I, I, I'm giving this just a flat seven. Um, there's no difference. It's going to be flat anyway, because I, to me, I liked the episode, but again, it felt a little flat. Wow. So I gave it a flat seven. Um, there's a lot of good stuff in here. There's a lot of questions in here. There's a lot of holes that need to be filled. You could definitely see within this episode, they are setting up the season, which I see how they're going to throw They're setting it up. But I really do believe that the book of Boba Fett, those two Mando episodes, which we did discuss, it would have been great if they would have dropped them at the beginning, or I think Stephen, you mentioned done a five minute recap at the beginning that brought in some of the, the story plots from Boba Fett to explain the stuff in Mandalorian for the people who have not watched Boba Fett and it's just watching Mandalorian. Um, so I see where they're going. I'm giving it a seven and my seven want brats. Um, they're actually on that pirate ship and, and they're just sitting there for a while trying to figure out what they're going to do. So they could be pets of the pirates. They could be playthings for the pirates. They could be, I don't know, saboteurs for the Mandalorian. No idea. But my seven Womp Rats are on that pirate ship. So anyway. Okay. Who's next? I'll go, I'll go next. Um, you okay. know, I thought this was a, it was a decent start. I think it, this ultimately, as we talked about pretty extensively in our review today, the show is, this episode really st- it was tasked with doing a lot in one episode and, you know, at only 37 minutes long, I think thereabouts, there was a lot to cover in a very short amount of time, right? Catching people up on uh book of Boba Fett and everything. And we've talked at length about whether taking a side detour in the book of Boba Fett and, and putting such massive plot points in another show was a, a smart move. That aside, I think this episode really needed to recap people and it, Ultimately, I think it struggled there a little bit, catching people up while also not feeling repetitive for the fans who've already watched it. And it's it's laying the groundwork. I don't 100% get the motivations of bringing IG-11 back, but I love IG-11, and so I'm still excited to see him return. Um, and I, you know, ultimately, I'm so excited about where this, the arc of this season, right? I think the going to Mandalore and, and all of this is just so cool, so exciting for me. Um, I want to I want to see what happens. And so you know, overall I think it was a it was a good start. Not not the greatest start. Um I'd say a little little bit weaker than season 2. It definitely not as, as exciting as the season 1 uh, opener, which was just outstanding. Um but it was still enjoyable and I have a feeling that the rest of the season is going to be picking up from here and even better now that they've kind of gotten over that initial hurdle. So uh, th- I think the initial, in my, in my view, the initial episode was uh, seven and a half uh, Womp Rats. Um, and yeah, these Womp Rats, you know, we talked about how Navarro has just improved quite a bit and it, Womp Rat, Navarro is so nice and so actually welcoming to Womp Rats now that all seven and a half Womp Rats are just chilling out and, in Navarro and kind of living their best lives with the Kwaki and monkey lizards and all the other creatures. So yeah, it's a good, it's a good time. Also, I, I, I can't forget it's a big change actually this season. Um, Ludwig Goranson is not actually doing the music anymore. While well, he's still credited as uh, being behind 
the themes this season joseph shirley is taking on the reins of the score so we'll we'll see hopefully it, it kind of lives up to the score of the last two seasons um but yeah kind of disappointing to see ludwig Gorenson moving on from the mandalorian um steven yeah i'm i think i feel the same as both of you but maybe Maybe not. Um, I would give this, I think, honestly, I give this episode a six out of 10. Um, I was very much not impressed with it and fairly disappointed that this was kind of the first episode of the show coming back after uh, a two year hiatus. Um, I, I hope that with some additional focus, it will improve, but I also expected that out of this episode when we like started very clearly with like a, a call to go to Mandalore and then detoured for the entire show. Um, I hope we actually get to see like plot points progress episode over episode. I just am not, I don't have a lot of faith right now. Like this episode didn't fill me with confidence. Um, and yeah, like I just, there are so many elements that I find problematic. Like the dialogue is okay, but like, falls far short of what we have seen in things like Andor. Uh, like I said, I have a bunch of problems with Baby Yoda, and I am a little bit frustrated that, like, they very clearly wanted to write him out of the show at the end of season two, and then I expect somewhere from on high the commandment was given of thou shalt have Baby Yoda, and I just, I hope they find some purpose for him that is not just be the cute thing on screen. Um, I, I don't think that's enough of a role for him to have in the show to like make him worth including. And I do think that will get old, at least for me. Um, I mean, it's already old. I hope they will. It will. I think it'll get worse. But yeah, like I, I'm hopeful for the next couple of episodes. You know, I, I think there's certainly room to improve. Um, we've got some good pieces here, and I just hope we start to deliver on it. But yeah, for this episode, I'm gonna have to give it a six out of ten. Um, and uh, but my my six Womp Rats, I mean, obviously, our, our new pirate king, Gordian Shand, he's got his full crew of pirates. Um, but any good pirate has pets, you know, like especially when you're a green swamp monster. So uh, Gordian Shand's got uh, six Womp Rats that are his personal minions. Uh, and, you know, it's similar to Jabba, you know, like if a, uh, an ally or uh, what do you call it? Like someone has come to him and is in need of punishment. Well, Jabba had the Rancor and Gorian Shand has his Womp Rats, so don't cross him. Yeah, that's ooh, that's scary. Gotta yeah. Watch out for those Womp Rats. Yeah, it's worse now, right? You thought it was just a yeah, silly seaweed man, but now he's got Womp Rats. <laughs> You're careful. Oh, yeah, he's a he's a weird looking dude. Uh, yeah, he is. <laughs> yeah. Um yeah, well, I guess before we dive in, it's actually we we got some listener feedback. We want to read it on the air because we we always appreciate hearing from our listeners. But we got a mail from um, from Paul, listener Paul, who brought up a really good some interesting points that I think we wanted to discuss on the air. So here's here's what Paul had to say. Uh, he says, "Hey fellas, I was wondering if Andor has caused a problem for the other Star Wars TV shows." What I mean is that the writing and dialogue in Andor was so good that now it's conspicuous by its absence. I found that the I found the bar um, I found that the bar, and I expect the Bad Batch of the Mandalorian to reach it, uh, is higher because of Andor. I think we could have skipped the first four to five episodes of the Bad Batch and wouldn't have really missed anything. And I really liked the first scene of the Bad Batch, but now I'm just kind of meh. 
And I thought the first episode of the third season of The Mandalorian was just okay. It seemed really linear and straightforward, and I was really disappointed with the scene in the scene with Bo-Katan. She's just going to sit and pout in her Mandalorian castle? What the heck? IG-11, going back to his default programming and trying to kill Grogu, a nice homage to the Terminator, to Terminator I thought, was unexpected, but the MacGuffin for this season, or at least the first half, is crystal clear now. I really wasn't excited for Andor. Cassie was my least favorite of the characters in Rogue One, and I heard that K2SO wasn't even the first season. I had nearly written the show off. I continue to call it the K2SO and Friends show rather than, than Andor. But I think it's my favorite Star Wars TV show now. It's certainly the best thing Disney has put out since acquiring the franchise. Anyway, I was wondering if you guys have the same problem based on your reviews of The Bad Batch. It doesn't seem so, but I wanted to ask. Thanks, Paul. Well, thanks for writing in, Paul. Uh, Steven, you want to you want to you want to go first? Yeah, I, I think it's a really I, interesting point to, to discuss. So yeah, I always look at this as, especially when we talk about animation, because like obviously we have a long history of reviewing Star Wars TV shows. Animation, I find by its nature has a different kind of bar that it's looking to meet. Um, certainly, you can have amazing animation with super deep dialogue, like a show like Arcane on Netflix, I thought was a good example of that. Um, I don't think Star Wars has ever really tried to replicate that with uh, Clone Wars, Rebels, or Bad Batch. For those types of shows, I'm usually looking less for uh, like deep story writing and more for the story they're telling and uh, how well it holds my interest. Um, and so I, I'd say that's why I don't tend to have an issue with Bad Batch not living up to Andor. I do think Andor is a great example of what they can achieve with live action storytelling. And I totally agree. Well, I disagree that Andor is a problem for Star Wars. Andor is the is the gold standard. I think the problem is The Mandalorian or other live action shows or Book of Boba Fett especially not uh, not living up to the potential that they could have. Um, Andor showed, I mean, uh, different showrunners, different writers, different directors, obviously. But Andor showed that Lucasfilm and Star Wars is what what they're capable of. And I think it's on the rest of the shows to prove that they can live up to it and do better. Because, um, yeah, Andor was fantastic. And, like, like honestly, last night uh, I was talking to my brother-in-law. And he, you know, not a huge Star Wars fan. But, like, he's like, Andor, that final episode of Andor still hangs with him months and months later because it was just that good and i i really want to see other shows hit that same bar i don't know if either of you had other things you wanted to add for paul's feedback but yeah paul i agree thank you for writing in and plus one no i think yeah. that was very well said like you know yeah i i i love they're different shows i love you know animation does have a different bar and i think even within animation right there is i think there are certainly different bars that can be had. And I think the bad batch season two has struggled a little bit compared to other seasons. We're always going to have the, you know, the one-off episodes where you go off into some other part of the galaxy. And I think that's what makes Star Wars animation special in some ways. Um, but I think it's also a careful balance between being overly yelly, right. Or, or childish versus just like being a little more goofy, right. It's, it, it's a, it's a, it's a careful balance that can be hard to strike at times. Um, but it's still a very different category than live action and live action. You know, I love the Mandalorian and not everyone, um, you know, not all shows need to be as serious as Andor or written to the same level. But I think that where Andor really shined is that they, the writers 
knew exactly where they were going and they had a very clear vision. They had a definitive end date and they had an arc they wanted to tell. And I think that shows honestly in the series. That's kind of what I was alluding to earlier in, in that I like when they have an end date, not because I, I, I will be very sad when Andor ends, but I will be very happy because it is a complete story. I don't know. Steven, you, I think you wanted to add something. Yeah, I, you just crystallized something for me and something else that Paul kind of sparked. Like at the beginning of this episode, I kind of talked about my thesis as the Mandalorian is not the right uh, center show for Star Wars um, or not the the branch off point. And I think what you just said about Andor nails it to a T. Andor not only went with, uh, not only has like a set end date, but it went in knowing the story it wanted to tell. Um, and Paul, you know, even comments of, you know, Cassian was his least favorite character in Rogue One. K2SO wasn't even in there. Why should I care about this show? And Andor earns its place by making you care about the story and what's happening in the events. Um, and it does that by focusing on Cassian and his journey and the Rebellion's journey to a, a very narrow T. Like, that is the laser focus of the show. And I do think The Mandalorian would be better served if it had that same kind of focus. Uh, in many ways, like The Mandalorian, I think by design is almost an unfocused show. Like the first two seasons, especially, are a lot of, you know, lone bounty hunter goes on an adventure and gets sidetracked. Uh, it's kind of that Western uh, inspiration that they've talked about and is very apparent even in season three, episode one. Um, and I think The Mandalorian in many ways works best when they're keeping to that idea. And I think it struggles when they're trying to backdoor different pilots and or characters or things like that. Um, it's, I think, one reason I think the season of Mandalorian will be very interesting to watch is because they're trying, it seems, to pivot away from Adventure of the Week to a story on Mandalore, I hope. Um, and if they can find that groove, if they can you know, dig in and really start telling that story, I think there's potential for Mandalorian to be as good as Andor. Um, this episode wasn't it, but I think the potential is certainly there. Tom, any any thoughts? I I think the funny thing is I'm listening to both of you and you both summed up a lot of what I was probably going to say. Um, I I do agree that it's kind of hard to take the Mandalorian and have it be the one that's going to spin off from uh, different episodes. Um, and when it came to Andor, I completely agree the dialogue, the directing, and the acting for that series is so well done nothing against mandalorian and and totally agree when it comes to animation there there's a different writing style but animation still can have some complex writing uh just when it comes to the story they want to tell they have to set that up first okay also there's different timelines for animation writing compared to live action writing because you're seeing a script that's probably written a year before you see it actually on on screen whereas a live action Okay, this was two years, but you can basically go from script straight into uh, store, straight into filming. Animation, you have to write the script first, then it goes to animation. So that's kind of what you get. Um, but Andor somehow just sets itself apart from everything else because of you. Uh, you both hit on it. There was an actual end to the story. You know where it's going to go, and that's the thing that kind of is worrying about this when it comes to Mando is I understand that you really, or understand Favreau's like, there really is no ending, but there's a certain point in which 
you're going to have to set up a frame of when the show's going to, or the story of Mendel's going to end. So you know where your audience is going to be on this linear line or wherever to get to the end. They know there's going to be an end to it. And that way they can be more invested in the character because if you're going to keep it on and you keep the stories going the way they are, you're going to start losing people who are going to be watching the episodes mm. and, or it, it's just so compressed and you know, the timeline, you know, where it ends and everybody is involved. And when it came, Cassian Andor really wasn't one of my favorite characters either, but Diego Luna pulls that character off so well in the series it makes you want to like him and you feel for him and you want to see how he got to where he is in Rogue One because you know basically in Rogue One his story's over but you want to see along the way how he gets there along with all the other characters so you know man Mando's got to be careful because at a certain point if they keep this up they, they, they have to have some kind of end going they have to have some kind of direction of where they're going just like Andor did you know and when it comes to bad batch bad batch i'm pretty sure they have some kind of ending for that too we may not know but th there has to be some kind of ending for that because i think when it comes to the clones you know the clones don't survive going into the empire you know some of them do but not all of them so but, but pete paul i'm sorry paul you brought up some very great points in, in your letter and thank you for the feedback yeah yeah no appreciate it and we always love hearing your feedback so uh if you if you agree or disagree feel free to shoot us an email um you know emails at the end of the show of course contact at ioncanoncast.com we're also on uh, facebook and twitter uh at ioncanoncast and yeah lo love to hear from you i think it's we always love hearing from our listeners and it's it, it, this was a really thought-provoking question because we talked about it. it's the first mandalorian season three is the first time mandalorian's back after all these other shows and i think you know whereas certain shows like book of boba fett maybe made the Mandalorian's job a little harder now coming in uh, this season. Um, yeah, other and others are inter interesting to contrast against like Andor. And, you know, we've also had Kenobi since then, and we're going to have Ahsoka soon and Skeleton crew. And there's so many other shows, the, uh, the acolyte, Don't coming forget out, acolyte, right. There's yeah. a lot of stuff coming up. Not everything's going to be our cup of tea. Right. Uh, and you know, everyone has different, different opinions. I think we on this, podcast we all love the mandalorian but we feel differently about it like some of us love grogu some of us don't right um and, and yeah, i don't uh, know who you're talking about there <laughs> and we've got <laughs> um you know i i also loved andor and i i think there's so much to love about andor and so much to love about the mandalorian they're different types of shows but i think they can learn from each other and so i'm excited to see where Lucasfilm goes with all of these shows uh, as we progress, but it's it's interesting to compare and contrast. And yeah, always appreciate uh, listeners writing in. That's it for this week. Next week, uh, well, coming up on the next episode of Ion Canicast in just a few days, we have a review of the Bad Batch season two, episode twelve, The Outpost. It's another great episode of the Bad Batch. It's interesting. Like the I saw some people saying that Bad Batch was even better this week than Mandalorian. Uh, what with the uh, metamorphosis. And if you haven't seen it, go watch it. It's a great episode. Um, and yeah, next episode of Bad Batch will continue to impress. Uh, and we'll have our review out on Wednesday when the episode drops. And then Mandalorian Chapter 18 as well. So stay tuned. We got a lot of Ion Cannon coming at you. Thank you all for listening. And I'll be back next week, just a couple days actually, with our review of The Bad Batch Season 2, Episode 12. 
Thank you for listening to the Ion Cannon Podcast, your source for entertainment reviews from a galaxy far, far away. For over a decade, Ion Cannon has covered every corner of the saga, from the films and animated series like The Clone Wars and Rebels, to books, comics, games, and more. If you like what you hear, please rate us in your favorite podcast client. Your review will help this show grow within the Star Wars community. We can be found at our website, ioncannoncast.com, and you can follow us through Facebook and Twitter. To email us, you can do so at contact at ioncannoncast.com. The Ion Cannon Podcast is not associated with Lucasfilm, The Walt Disney Company, or any and all of their respective trademarks or copyright holders. Any opinion expressed on the show are that of the hosts. This podcast is a production by fans, for fans, and is copyright 2018.